Well, welcome to the U.S. Podcast, where all summer long we're answering questions that come directly from 18 to 25-year-olds out of Spotswood Baptist Church. We also know these are questions that all young adults are wrestling with, and our hope is that as you listen in, your faith will be fortified and you'll come awake to the reality that there are biblical answers to the difficult questions your generation's asking. Our goal is that these episodes provide real and practical wisdom as you navigate your young adult and college years. So let's go ahead and get into this week's topic. What's up, you guys? Last episode for the summer. Man, this has been so much fun. We've it, honestly, I told you that on episode one, this is something that's been outside of my comfort zone. And it's still 10 episodes in, it's still outside of my comfort zone, but it's it's a blast, man. It's been fun doing this with you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been, you know, something that from the first day that I got here, something that was on the list of kind of big projects to look at. And so I'm glad that we've been able to do it. Um, I've, you know, received encouragement. Um, and I know you have as well from students. And so that's just honestly the whole reason why we're doing yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and so it's been so sweet um, to be able to do that. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be able to do it with you. So That's right, man. And in the ne next few days, uh, not only are you going home today, yeah. in the next few days, uh, we've got a number of students that are going to be shipping out to different schools as well. I encourage you guys to um, just check in with us uh, every once in a while here on this podcast. And my um, hope and my prayer is that this would just be a way for you to continue to feel tethered to us you know to, to continue to feel connected to your home church um so yeah you you do take off today right i do yeah after lunch back I to lynchburg or back to so Salem. i'll actually be so i'll go back home for a couple of days um and then i'll have to be back at school on uh the 7th so i guess when this records i'll already be yeah, right. releases already be <laughs> at school but yeah so I'll, I'll drive home on a thursday uh and then i'll be back up at school on sunday so. what are you what are you most excited about doing with friends once you get back to lynchburg one of the most things, things that I'm most excited for is just to play spike ball with some of my friends. Man, I love spike ball. Um, one one of my big passions, and so I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm actually going to see my girlfriend. Um, so that's a big deal. I know. I'm I'm super pumped. Um, about that, and just to be back up around, um, some of my friends. They're going to be actually on my hall again this year. Uh, some of my best friends, and so man, just to have good conversations with them. Yeah. Talk about what the Lord's been teaching them. Um, gain wisdom from them, and I'm 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 pumped for it. So. Yeah. Man, I miss Lynchburg. It's such a good town. I remember uh, one of my favorite things that we did whenever I was there uh, for seminary is uh, my roommates and I, we'd, we'd always host lunch for our friends after church on Sundays. Um, started out with like eight of us, but it ballooned to like 35, I think, oh, when wow. we were kind of at, at our peak. Yeah. Um, so we packed out the living room and it was a small duplex too and it was a it was a full house um but we'd grill something everybody would bring a little something to eat and uh just week after week we just enjoy good food good friendship and it's really sweet man that, that's that's actually where i met my wife wow. um and uh, my my roommate actually met his wife there too so it was pretty pretty fruitful so um uh, I'll never forget the one Sunday after after lunch, most people, it's probably at three or four in the afternoon, most people had kind of trickled out and had headed home, but there were three of us that kind of lingered behind and it was myself. I was a seminary student. I had another friend who's working on his PhD, uh, a third friend who was just as strong, like a, a follower of Jesus as you could imagine, just loved uh, God, loved love people, passionate about evangelism and, and that kind of thing. And so um, while we're talking, there's a knock at the door and opened the door and found uh, two Mormon missionaries who had something important to share with us. And, yeah. uh, and so instantly, like I'm thinking, 
probably the opposite of what most people who answered the door for uh, for those missionaries were thinking. Right. Uh, but I'm thinking this is awesome. Yeah, this is incredible. And so, um, so rather than slam on the door in their face, which they probably experienced a few times, uh, I invited them in. I'm like, guys, it's, it's summer. It's got to be hot. Let me get you some water. We just finished lunch. Are you guys hungry? So we fed them and um, sat sat down, listening to their spiel and. Uh, invited them, invited them back the next week to actually enjoy lunch with us. And yeah. so they came and, um, I just began pursuing these guys. Like I, I invited them to tennis, uh, took him to actually took him to a church service of ours and, um, invited him to coffee. And it was at that coffee, uh, meeting that, um, that, t- that time we got together that, that, uh, one of the, one of the Mormon missionaries had kind of a, a light bulb flickering on kind of starting to understand and grasp, you know, some of the gospel and that what became clear, um, the way that happened, what became clear in that conversation was that the Mormon uh, belief system has a works-based salvation. Right. And I'm like, guys, here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus takes all the guesswork out of that equation. We don't, we don't have to work for our salvation. We're confident in it. And out of love for Jesus and out of gratitude that wells up in our hearts, we, we're compelled to do good. Right. Like We work not for salvation. We work from salvation. How sweet is that? We don't have to worry and wonder like, which way is the scale tipping? And, and I could just tell, like I said, one of the guys was kind of coming awake to that reality. And, um, that's why they go out in pairs, man. Yeah. The other guys shut it down. They were out and called me up and gave me the, it's not you, it's me, the breakup speech. So, um, (laughs) it was over and I was bummed about that, but, um, I wish I had a little bit more time, but I just was so grateful, um, that, uh, that, that day for, um, for, for just the way that God designed salvation to work. And that's what we're talking about today. Right. Yeah. Kind of, kind of today we're talking about three kind of different things that all tie into around salvation, you know, assurance of salvation, and then ultimately like your identity, what that means for you. Right. And so one of the the big questions that we're going to be kind of talking about is like, how do you know that you're actually saved? Like, yeah. can you know for sure? Um, and I think this is, is an important conversation to have uh, because the reality is that there's, a lot of students that have grown up in the church, um, right? They've been around Christians their entire life, and they may be assuming that they're Christians as well, right? And but but here's the reality that not everyone who says they're Christians are actually Christians, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think about you know Matthew seven uh, when Jesus says, "Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter." And so there's people who think, you know, just because maybe they, they go to church or, or that they've grown up and their, their parents are believers or, or their grandparents are believers that they're automatically, you know, they, they have faith because of that uh, or, or because they've maybe done more good than than bad in their life or that, you know, they've just they're they're a nice person. Right. But but the reality is like none of these things um, are what save a person. That's right, man. And that's that, that verse you mentioned from Matthew seven that I remember hearing that for the first time as a, um, the first, first time after becoming a student pastor and just realizing, oh my goodness, like I've got students in my group. And today that's probably true that I've got students in my group who think they're in, if anybody's in, I'm in because I grew up in this. I've always been a Christian. Right. And, and it's just terrifying. It's sobering. It should give us all pause to just step back and say, hold on, is what I have legit? Do I have the symptoms of the disease? Like, do I really like it? only in a positive way, but, uh, is, is what I have, is it, was it a legitimate conversion? Right. And, and so that's what we're talking about. You know, um, I, I just don't want that to be you thinking you've got something that you don't have. And Paul's on board with that too. He'll say in in the book of Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed. So now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. So don't be fooled, y'all. You know, just because you walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or went on a mission trip or, or, or you've done some good things and people say you're a good person, none of that's going to get it done. Yeah. Uh, some of the best people I know, some people that are close to me, some people I care about deeply are incredible people, but they're far from God. And the reality is we got to get this. Good people go to hell all the time. Bad people go to hell all the time. Good people go to heaven and bad people go to heaven. What makes the difference is the forgiven ones are the ones that get to go to heaven. Yeah. So the question isn't about how how good are we? The question is, is the, is the, the sin debt that we owe paid by Jesus? Or are we going to spend eternity paying that sin debt ourselves, right? Um, and so every sin uh, that, that, that we've committed will either be paid for in hell or at the cross. We don't have to pay in eternity. The good news is Jesus already sent, he, he's already set down the payment. Mm. We've got what we need, Yeah. right? That's good. Yeah, you know, in that, when you say, you know, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What, what I don't want people to hear um, is that this is something that you have to work to get, mm -hmm. right? Like, this is not at all what, what Paul's saying here, right? Like, read Galatians, read Ephesians, right? Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own works so that no one may boast, right? This is important because we're saved by grace through faith. It's not your own works. Right, like God saves us so that we were able to do good works. Right, like He's got some incredible things that we're meant to be a part of. Right, but those things they they come out of salvation. Like those are not the means to salvation; they're evidence of your salvation. Right, and so salvation, you know, biblically, it's a it's a good gift from a good God that He's hoping that every person will receive. Right? Like He longs for every person to encounter Him, to receive eternal life, to to receive His Holy Spirit, and to be forever change and again biblically like for those that do experience salvation it's a one-time thing like it's a one and done once you're saved you're saved right true conversion is permanent and so paul says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion philippians 1 6 right? like he's faithful he'll do it and we can rest in that right so how do we know like if we take it if we take a moment to to evaluate our lives what are we looking for? Are there certain markers, Brian, that we're that we're looking for that 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 are evidence to us? How do we know? Yeah, uh, like I said, you know, kind of in the in the last episode, uh, I just finished reading through First John, Second, and Third John. Um, and one thing that I would say, like, if this is something that you're wrestling with, if this is the question that you're asking, like, I would go and just go check out the book of First John, like First John five thirteen. One of the the key verses in. Um, that that book it, it says I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life right like so John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit he writes that he desires that we know that we mm -hmm. have eternal life a present reality right and so you keep reading uh, another another thing I would go and look at right first John 2 three through six and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Mm. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfect. By this, we know, or we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so, so John is going to say here, like, here's how you can know, right? Like if you desire to obey God, Right. By if you keep his commands, like if this if your lifestyle is habit is like a, you have a habit of following God's commands, right? Like your act outward action as well as your inner attitude. And then ultimately, he says you ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You ought to your life should be characterized by the way that Jesus walked. 
right? So this is test of, of, of an abiding union with Christ. Ultimately, that that shows itself in imitation. Yeah. Paul's going to give us another one in, in Colossians one twenty three. He says, if indeed you were continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So evidently, uh, to the people he was writing with, there were some who, who had who had heard the gospel and embraced the gospel, but then they bailed on the gospel. And, and so they deconstructed their faith without bothering to, to reconstruct something else in its place. And uh, so Paul's going to say one evidence that, that, that you have the real thing is that you continue to believe, right. like you, you continue steadfastly, continue to stand in uh, the gospel, no matter, no matter what, no matter what kind of pushback you get or what circumstances you face. Um, this is a lifelong thing. It's not just hopping from one political party to the next or, right. uh, but it's, it's like caterpillar to butterfly. It's a transformation that happens. A new birth, literally, mm-hmm. is what Jesus will say in John 3. What else though, man? What, what are some other marks of a true Christian? Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say real quick in terms of, you know, continuing uh, in the faith, right? I've heard that, you know, faith that fails was faulty from the first. And so if you if someone who's walking through life and, and, you know, everything you see may be characterized like you would think, oh, they're, they're a good person, like they're following Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if you if you if they don't continue, like if at some point they they bail, they they reject, they denounce God, like I would just say, like their faith was more than likely faulty from the first. Yeah. And but but in terms of like other marks for, for a true Christian, man, I love first John, like just just studying it was such an encouragement for me because there were three kind of test that he showed um that that were true marks of a christian uh the first was love like the test of love for the brethren do you love other christians right like our response towards other people is evidence of our christian character right right so our love and obedience to god ensures our love for uh, for other believers right so the presence of love in your life that's an evidence of your Christian experience. It says, First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. The, the second thing, uh, second test would be a test of obedience, right? a test of righteousness. And once again, like obedience is not an avenue for salvation, but it is an evidence of it. right? So no genuine Christian will continue to have a lifestyle, um, a habit of sin. Right? It, it says, First John 3, 6, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And this is important because it's not talking about like, we're going to be perfect. We're not going to sin at all, but it is talking about, you know, is your lifestyle characterized by sin? Like if it's an overwhelming majority of that, right? Like it says that we have the power of the Holy spirit to, to change us. And so, um, the second test, like I said, is test of righteousness, test of obedience. Um, and then lastly, is just a test of right believing your faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I just said, faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first. And so it's asking the question, like, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Um, And so these are these are some things that you can look at in terms of marks of a true Christian. All great points, man. And I think one of the one of the most significant signs that you're really in that what you have really is legit is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So uh, at the moment that you receive salvation, God gives you the greatest gift of all. He gives you himself. Yeah. He puts his spirit in you, literally. God gives it to you and he never takes it away. And so you can't lose what you didn't earn to begin with, right? Um, God gives you with his spirit as a deposit 
of what's to come. That's what that's what that's what Paul says there in Ephesians. Um, life forever in heaven. That's what's to come. And so you're sealed in. Scripture says you are secure. You are locked into that embrace, and yeah. nothing and no one is going to break that grip. Mm. So that's some good news for us. Yeah. If we have, if what we have is legit, if the Spirit is in us, we are in, and we are sealed, and we're good. Mm. We can rest. Right. So here's how you know you got the Spirit in your life. If you're wondering, like, how do I know what that's like? Do I hear voices? Do I? What does that look like? Mm. Um, well, the reality is like everything in us wants to move in a particular direction with the rest of the world. And so if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, we're going to go with the flow. I heard my pastor say one time that uh, a dead fish can't swim upstream. Only an alive fish can do that. And so um, the Spirit is, is it's, it's not moving the way of the world. And so he's moving in the very opposite direction. So when we have a contrary force in us that's moving in the direction of God, that's that's one of the greatest assurances of salvation that exists. So, yeah. because of the Spirit in you, uh, we're going to be changed. We're, we're not going to have the desire to sin, right? Or when temptation does set in, which does happen, um, we'll we'll experience conviction, right? Which is is of the Spirit and drives us back to God. When we fail and give in to temptation, we'll have remorse over that, and we'll be we'll be grieved over what we did. This is something I'm all too familiar with, and you probably are too. Uh, and we'll confess that sin and repent and 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 rest, knowing that we've been forgiven. We've got all the grace that we need. And so um, none of that happens, though, without that contrary force, without the person of the Holy Spirit. His presence is one of the greatest evidences of legitimate faith. Yeah, absolutely. I would say one, one other thing that's important here as we're kind of talking about some things in terms of assurance of salvation, like we often tend to seek assurance of salvation in the and in, in the things that God is doing in our lives, right? In our spiritual growth and in the, in the good works and obedience to God, God's word, that's evident in our Christian walk. And while this may not necessarily be inherently bad, like we have to remember that these are not what we should necessarily base our assurance of salvation on completely. Like rather we should find the assurance of our salvation in the objective truth of God's word. Like we should be confident and have a confident trust that we're saved based on the promises that God has declared, right? Not because of our, our experiences or our, our subjective experiences. So another question that's kind of lingering out there in the ether is, is it possible to lose your salvation? You know, it is this is a question I totally relate to because I, I, I hit a point in college when I just wondered for my, like, I looked at my own life. You just, you just read that, that verse from first John that says, you know, basically that, they're for, for the believer they're not going to there won't be a habit of sin mm. you know that that's not something that we would turn to continually and and as i looked at my life i saw that i saw that i i, I believed that i i was a believer and yet i did see that that pattern of sin but the reality is there's there was conviction every time yeah. there was repentance every time mm. i still turned back and and went through the process all over again. And so, but I, I reached a point where I was just, I just got tired. I just grew tired and weary and, and just wondered how can someone who says they love Jesus and says they follow him continue to turn to the thing that he gave his life for? How does that make any sense? Right. And so that it's a question that I get. I'll let you say it's a question that I definitely, uh, it resonates with me. And, and if that's you, if you're wondering, can I, ha have I lost it? You know, did I have something and then lose it? I, I just want to, ask you the question, what did you do to earn that in the first place? Mm. You can't lose what you didn't earn. God's the one who's gifted that to you. Brian said that this is a good gift from a good God meant for every human being. And so um, you are safely locked into that, into his grip. And, and you didn't, 
establish that grip, you didn't establish that relationship, you can't break it. So the reality is you were dead and God breathed his life into you. He's the one who did the work. If you did something, if you did something to get saved, then you'd have reason to pause and just wonder, did I lose it? Right. But the, the reality is God's the one who did the work. God's the one who brought you to life. God's the one who will faithfully carry that out to the end, which is heaven. Yeah. And eternity with him. Yeah, man, that's that's such a good word. Um, I really think that someone's gonna be encouraged by that. Um, I know I was, and so I'm sure that somebody's listening and they may be wondering, may they, they might be wrestling with the fact that they don't know if their their salvation it was genuine. And so I really hope that that someone's encouraged. Um, but ultimately, like, why does all of this matter? Like, why do we need to be confident in our own salvation? Well, man, I think it um, I think it comes down to like God's heart for us. I think God wants us to know. I think he want he wants us to be uh, just at total peace uh, about this and just like like I said before, like uh, overflowing with with uh, with with love for him and gratitude for what he did for us and joy. Um, and and once we have an identity that's like firmly established in Christ, out of that can flow all kinds of incredible activity, mm -hmm. right? Last week we encourage you guys to read Ephesians, um, and that's what that that's what the book talks about. The first three chapters is all about our identity in Jesus, and then out of that, the last three chapters talks about activity that flows from that identity. That's how it goes. I, activity flows from identity. What you do flows from who you are. Yeah. And so um, you read that, you, you get into the last half of the book, and you'll read how, how we're meant to to walk in love, to walk in wisdom, to to forgive others when we're hurt, to share our faith with other people. You're not going to share your faith if you're not confident in your own faith. Mm. So you need to you need to know you're not going to be able to fulfill the mission and the purpose that God has for you if you're not if you're not secure in 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 your salvation in the first place. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, like once we have an identity that's in Christ, like there's nothing about us that will remain unchanged. And so the reason you know why it's important to be confident is that like the way that you see yourself and the way that you see others will be completely changed. Right? Like the decisions that you make the, the in terms of, of money, like your career, your lifestyle, your friendships, the way you date, the way that you see marriage, like your time, resources, work, like all of these things are going to be changed um, because of what Jesus did in your life. And so if someone takes a look at their life and realizes like, I don't see, I don't see fruit. I don't see desire change. I don't see evidences of the Holy Spirit working in my life. Like, I think it's important for us to to wrestle with that mm -hmm. um, and to come to a place where we where we understand like our salvation is not because of what we did it's because of what Jesus has done yeah and, and when we have confidence in that man it gives us so much confidence just going out into the world that is so against God but yet we know that we can stand firm because of what he's done for us and so yeah like I think just just in terms of this entire conversation that we're asking um, around salvation, assurance of salvation, identity, I think it'd be appropriate to, to talk about like where does the path to salvation actually start? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible question. And I want, uh, I'd love for every one of us, everyone who's listening to this to actually take a moment and do that evaluation and figure out is, is what I have a legitimate faith? Yeah, so if that's you, if, if that's a, if that's the question that you're asking, if you do this evaluation and realize what I have is not legitimate, my encouragement to you is just not to start with, with, with church attendance, not to start with, you know, tallying things up and weighing things out, good and bad. What, what, what I encourage you to do is begin with the recognition that 
you have a desperate need for something outside of yourself, someone outside of yourself to fix you. Mm -hmm. You've probably multiple times tried to clean things up, tried to fix your life, tried to, tried to wipe out and forget the sins of your past. You can't do that. You can't undo what's been done. You can't fix what's, what's happening in, in the, in the present and you can't change the trajectory that you're on ultimately. And so we desperately need for our past, present and future. We need someone outside of ourselves to come in. And that's exactly what Jesus has come to do. And Mm so it starts with recognizing I am utterly desperately in need of Jesus. Right. And it's, it's because, because I'm in a bad situation and it takes humility to get there because the reason a lot of people don't, don't get there is because they don't see their need for him. Yeah. They think they they see their situation. They think I've done pretty good in life. I'm a pretty good person. I don't need him. Right. And, and, and so um, getting to that point though, is step one, getting into that, into that space. It's not a very fun space, but it's into that bad space that the gospel comes and really is good news. It lands as something that is truly, truly good. And so Jesus came to, uh, to, 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 totally satisfy um, the sin debt that you've got from your past to, to give you power in the present and to give you hope for your future. That's what he's done. That's the starting point. It's just coming to that realization of your need for him and recognizing what he's done. And then from there, it's about believing that he is who he says he is, changing your mind about your sin, pulling a 180 and running hard after him, and then trusting that what he did in his life, death, and resurrection was enough to pay that sin debt. If you do that, you believe on Jesus you're saved. That's what scripture says. It's that, it's that simple. And it is, sometimes it's, it's, it, it's hard to get past that barrier of, of it just seems too easy, right? It just seems like it, it can't be real, you know, but, but the, the good news of scripture is that God loves to, to forgive. Yeah. He loves to take, take broken people, people that have made a train wreck of their lives and make this incredible story. It's right. true of my life. I know it's true of your life. It's yep. true of probably uh, a lot of you who are listening right now. And so that's, that's our hope for you is that you'd go on that journey that you, that you would uh, recognize your need for him and, and run hard after him. And if you're, if you're in Brian, what do you think, man? If, if what, what's the, what's the takeaway today? What's the, what's kind of the call to action as we're kind of wrapping up this final episode? Yeah, man, I would just say like, just what you're saying, like be encouraged that it's not, based off of anything that you ever could have done or the fact that you could ever deserve it. It's not something that we're repaying God for either. Like he does this out of his own motivation of love. Like he chose to send his son for us, not because we were prettier or that we were even lovable, but because of his own character and the fact that he loved us, like he went to the, to the cross to do that for us. And so I would just be encouraged um, and I hope it encourages you guys. Um, I would also say like for those of us who, who do have a faith, for those that you know, like you place your faith and just life changes happen. I would say continue, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Like it's if it's legitimate, like rest and live a life that's aligned uh, with God's purposes for your life. And then ultimately, like if there's no signs that you have the Holy Spirit, like recognize that you are still dead. Like you're dead in your sins and you need to pivot to God and ask him to change that, pay your sin debt with his payment on the cross and breathe his life into you. Like Mm. you said, right? Like pray that prayer, talk to God, make that life change today, go from death to life. And then for those of us who, who have a faith, who are Christians, like recognize that everyone we interact with, you know, whether you're, you're still here in Fredericksburg or whether you're at school, like everyone is on a path either to heaven or to hell. 
Like they're, they're on a path to one of these two places. And so we need to love them well. We need to share our stories with them. We need to, to take the good news of the gospel to them um, and allow God to work in your life. And I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode that we recorded a couple of weeks ago about how to effectively share your faith in this culture. But we'll walk you through very practical steps of of, of, of how to uh, engage with people and how to how to build uh, over the course of uh, days, weeks, and months uh, to the point where you can share your story. And uh, I just I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Um, I know that God's going to place you uh, in the dorm that you're in, in the uh, on the campus that you're in, in the classrooms you're in. Uh, and, and at work or in the community, wherever you find yourself, you're there intentionally to be a gospel light. And I'm excited to hear the stories that you guys have to tell. If you if you do have a story, do me a favor, just drop us a, a message on on Instagram and and let us know how God's using you or how He's showing up in your life. And and uh, I, I just look forward to to just being encouraged by those stories myself and passing those on to the rest of our community. I know everyone will be encouraged by that. So, well, thanks again for listening, you guys. Love y'all. Praying for you this semester, and we're excited to see you again soon. Love y'all. Yeah, see you guys.